0: This is the Oanda podcast. European stock markets have soared today, with investors hoping that there is meaningful progress on peace talks between Russia and Ukraine. The German DAX rose seven percent. The French CAC was up six and a half percent. This is the Oanda Market Insights podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world, and today we're joined by Craig Irlem in London. It's great to see you in person for a change, Craig. How are you? Yeah, it's been uh, quite a while. A couple of years, actually. (laughs) Incredibly, it has been a couple of years and what a couple of years it's been. And uh, we live in very strange times and you just have to look at the markets to realise that. Uh, Massive rises today in Europe, but is this more of a technical correction rather than a change in sentiment about this war?
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of factors really playing into it. I think it's not uh, it's not a coincidence that prior to this rebound that we've seen today, European markets had just about entered into bear market territory over the last couple of days. So that's more just over a 20% pullback um, that we'd seen um, in these equity markets from those recent highs uh, to the uh, lows yesterday, and went around those areas from a technical standpoint. You can start sometimes start to see some interest. Uh, Coming back in, uh, kind of testing them lows, testing whether we are looking for severely depressed markets or whether uh, a bear market is effectively uh, enough. Um, so you can sometimes see those levels kind of um, it, it bring people back in. The other thing as well is you look at like gold, for example, yesterday that came in within a few dollars of all time highs and then all of a sudden it pulled back from these levels. So it seems like there's some key technical levels across different areas of the markets which we're seeing tested and maybe we're just seeing some profit taking, a little bit of interest pouring in as well. So I think that was one thing that really contributed to it. But that doesn't explain the DAX rising more than 7%. It doesn't explain the CAC doing the same. Really, what it's like the move's just been exacerbated, uh, and, and I think what has really driven the bulk of this move, really, is that little bit of um, optimism, a little bit of hope, uh, which is something we've not had much of for a number of weeks now. And this has come from a seemingly cha- a seeming change of stance, from uh, President Zelensky suggesting that uh, his view on joining NATO is cooling um, that he's open to discussing um, the uh, the two provinces that um, that Russia recently declared as independent willing to discuss Crimea as well all the core demands really that russia Um, is saying is behind the invasion and uh, things that need to be dealt with before Russia ultimately leaves Ukraine. That doesn't mean that we're going to see a breakthrough. I do think there's an element, a strong element to this that's extremely premature and extremely over-the-top because President Zelensky suggesting that they're willing to discuss this doesn't mean that they're willing to give Russia what they want. And also, there's been a lot of smoke and mirrors with Russia. What they claim doesn't always match with what they do. They claimed a month ago there was no intention to cross the border, that this was military training exercises. So just because this is what Russia now says it wants, it doesn't mean that that's ultimately what it wants. Um, the goalposts have moved so many times. Why? why what's to say that well, they won't move again? So I do think this is a move that's been built on hope from what President Zelensky has said he's willing to discuss exacerbated by the levels we were trading at prior to these comments and probably a little bit over the top. Um, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're seeing uh, negative markets again in the coming days. This is such a headline-driven market as well. One negative headline and things will quickly turn around.
0: Absolutely. And you paused before you said the word optimism. <laughs> but it is interesting that we're talking about the Ukrainians compromising rather than the Russians because, what, a week or so ago, it looked like this was Russia's war to to win. And such is the effect of uh, economic sanctions. They have cut Russia off from global trade and financial markets. Perhaps that's one reason to be optimistic. And yes, there is a talk of compromise in the air. But it is so early to say there are other effects that these sanctions are proving to be quite effective. Talk about the oil. We'll talk more about oil in, in, in a moment or two. And last night's statement from President Biden saying that, you know, they wouldn't uh, take any oil exports from Russia anymore, albeit it's only 7% of what they take globally. But nonetheless, it does seem that the universality of the world against Russia has made a concrete difference, if not with bullets and with tanks, but certainly those economic sanctions. And it's starting to seep through into the ordinary Russian system where people in Russia are starting to question what is actually happening. That might have one reason for it. And there are other reasons as well. We'll talk more about the oil in a second or two. Would you be in agreement with me there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, this invasion was always going to be difficult for Putin to justify to the Russian people irrespective of the propaganda campaigns, irrespective of anything. When you're sending troops into another country, which means you're sustaining casualties and you are committing atrocities, that, that, that's, that's a big thing that you've got to sell as being worthwhile to the, uh, to the Russian people. And you could see that that's why he was trying to sell it as the denazification, etc., etc., etc. All of these lies that were created to try and justify what he ultimately wanted to do, which he didn't think he would be able to sell without the lies. When you add into that now, that I think the West has gone far further than he ever expected they would. I think he thought that the West would be backed into a corner because of high oil prices, because of high gas prices, because of trying to recover from a pandemic. I think he really underestimated the response. He knew that they would never send in troops. He knew that they couldn't really turn their back per se. But I think he thought the economic sanctions, which were going to come Russia's way, would be light touch, would be insignificant. And in fact, they've been far harder hitting, not just in terms of the Uh, against the oligarchs uh, and against Putin himself uh, and against uh, Russian companies. But the sanctions against the central bank are incredibly severe. That is going to have a massive impact on the Russian economy. Throw into that now the US banning imports of uh, of oil. The UK phasing them out by the end of the year. The EU... What they're doing now, what they're going to be doing, is going to take a longer time because they are far more independent. But that, that, that is going to have a dramatic effect on Russia over the next uh, number of years. Everything that the West has done now is going to have a crippling effect on the Russian economy, and not just that. It's the impact that it's having on the behavior of people towards Russia. It's the impact it's having on the impact on firms and corporations towards Russia.
0: They can't ignore it. Every aspect of business life.
1: No propaganda campaign can prepare Russia for what? Mm. McDonald's, Apple, all these things. They all seem insignificant in themselves to a a little extent. But it tells the Russian people that you're being isolated from the rest of the world because of the actions of President Putin. And that is going to have a profound effect. And there's still more to come. Even things like the sports teams being excluded from the Olympics or from from FIFA, from... The, from UEFA, all of these things, you can't hide that without, regardless of your propaganda campaigns, it will be noticeable. And Russian people are going to ask themselves, these things don't align. Why would the world cut us off when what we're being told is that we're sent, being sent in as on a peacekeeping mission to, to denazify the, uh, the, the Ukraine, to do all these things which seem, or has been sold to us as being a noble Act, why would the rest of the world react this way?
0: On the other hand, we don't, well, maybe you disagree with me, but you know, it's dangerous to have President Putin in the corner, right? And maybe getting increasingly desperate. We don't know what he's capable of. And he needs to be seen to have, and maybe this compromise that you were talking about early on with the president of Ukraine will have something to do with it. He needs to have got something. Out of this, otherwise, who knows what could happen if you back a guy into the corner where he thinks he might actually lose his grip on power? Um, This is dangerous, and he, he, we can't beat him completely. Otherwise, it could be a worse scenario.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's why President Zelensky is now bringing this to the table and saying, let's have a discussion around this, and let's find a solution that involves Russian troops leaving the Ukraine, that involves President Putin having something that he can take back. We don't want want him to be able to have a victory, but again, he owns the propaganda machine, so he'll be able to sell this as a victory regardless um, if he gets anything out of this. So it's about finding a compromise that... President Putin can take back. And ultimately, the thing he cares most about is, the, is Ukraine not joining NATO. So I think that's where mm-hmm. his victory is ultimately going to come. Then he can, through the propaganda machine, talk about the fact that they de, uh, they demilitarized uh, Ukraine, that they meant that they were no longer a threat. Not only could they they're not join in NATO, but also we've taken out this site, we've taken out these sites, we've taken out this, we've found this, we've destroyed this, all these other things. Yeah. They can They can make these claims because... Because they own the press, and they they, can, they, they they can therefore create uh this story, and that's going to happen regardless of what happens, but they need to be able to go back ultimately with something that um, doesn't justify what they did, but means that, um, that that Putin doesn't have his tail between his legs ultimately and so I do think that that is ultimately going to be the only way out of this situation. The problem that I have is that the- and the question I have is does Putin interested in a compromise is mm. it give me what I want or this will just continue and continue and continue and then all of a sudden this mission that he's he's claimed uh, doesn't last the week that maybe he anticipated it ends up lasting months and months and months and this 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 terrible situation drags on um, so that, that I think that's the biggest fear so I guess we'll see this olive branch which has been offered out by Zelensky let's see uh how it's received because not only do i think will i think this that putin will struggle to sell this at home the longer it goes on and the more loss of life that they have i know that again putin's telling the russian people on that 500 have so far died when the actual numbers that are being reported elsewhere is well into the thousands he may be able to sell certain things back home but one thing he can't sell is going to be the dreadful impact that this has on the economy as Russia is isolated. So it's almost in everyone's best interest to find a compromise that works all round. I'm just not as optimistic as the markets look today.
0: And hmm. um, Going back to those markets, watching the oil price has been interesting. It dropped 5% earlier and it has fallen further. And this you were telling me just now is something to do with what has come out of the UAE's ambassador to Washington today – Um, It looks like uh, Abu Dhabi is encouraging the idea that OPEC plus increase oil supply, which obviously would have an effect on the uh, oil price. Is that actually going to happen?
1: I think it's going to be very difficult, to be quite honest, but I think this is an important milestone nonetheless. It's interesting with oil today. We've had a broad range, ten dollar range trading range. It was actually up three percent earlier in the day, and then it started to fall. The fall uh, as the day has moved on, and the this report now this this headline just exacerbated those moves to the downside. And yes, I think it's a step in the right direction. The I E A. Um, the International Energy Agency. They have been calling for Saudi Arabia and Russia and, and and the UAE to use some of their spare capacity to alleviate the pressure in the oil market and bring uh, the price down for some time. Both sides, up until now, have not been interested in such a move, and I think that's because of the politics involved within OPEC Plus. Russia constantly, uh, constantly reassuring that this is a. A temporary mission that they don't intend to be in there very long, and that there won't be massive disruptions to supply. If you're going to remain alongside this ally with an OPEC plus, you can't really, I think, from Saudi Arabia and UAE's perspective, be seen to increasing output. It's only when those doubts start to materialise and you start to think that this could cause a global recession that we were going to see maybe one of them fall out of line, and we were going to start to have these more fierce debates within the group and it seems that maybe uae are starting to come around to the idea that this is not temporary that the prices are too high that they are going to be a massive drag on global growth and that something needs to be done and these reassurances are are not making them feel more reassured so if these reports are true and if they do have the sway within the group to turn them around or more importantly if they can convince Saudi arabia to do the same then either the group could potentially act or as we've seen before with Saudi Arabia in particular when they thought the group wasn't cutting output enough they unilaterally cut their own output by an extra million barrels a day could we see something similar obviously I think it's more difficult the other way around but um, could we see something similar I think this is maybe the first step towards it potentially and as I say hopefully because oil at $130 140 $150 a barrel doesn't uh doesn't bode well for the global economy this year and next.
0: No, it doesn't. Now the European Central Bank meets tomorrow. Is it likely that interest rates will remain unchanged? Probably yes at this stage.
1: Certainly for the European Central Bank, yes. I don't think it was going to. We we're going to see any change on that front. Anyway, they're still buying bonds. Their, their asset purchase program is still running, so they're still increasing their balance sheet month by month and they were intending to do so at least until the end of the third quarter this year. So the expectation for this meeting prior to the invasion was actually that the ECB, because of record high inflation, that they were going to announce a hawkish shift within the group and they were going to actually start tapering bond purchases more rapidly and bring them to an end sooner and stop increasing the balance sheet. That was going to be the first step paving the way for a potential rate hike if inflation remains high later on this year, maybe early next. And the markets had already started pricing in multiple rate hikes by the end of this year. I think that's changed now. I think the level of uncertainty, particularly within Europe, because of its reliance on Russia, means that we're not going to see rate hikes this year or there's going to be a very relu- a huge reluctance to raise interest rates this year from the ECB uh, unless the data forces their hand. Um, But I still think we are going to see the tapering because I think they know that, and I think this is going to be a common thing with a number of central banks now for the next couple of months, I don't think the plans have changed. I think the Fed raises interest rates at the next three meetings starting next week. I think the Bank of England raises interest rates at least at the next couple of meetings on top of the last couple of interest rate hikes we've already had at the last couple. And I think the ECB will taper as they were intending to because regardless of what's happening in Ukraine right now and regardless of what's happening in commodity markets, there is also an inflation problem, and that can't just be ignored. And there are domestic pressures that are building. Companies are raising prices, people are paying those higher prices, and wages are rising. That's the kind of domestic inflationary pressures that central banks can get to grips with, or at least catch up, or get a slightly ahead of the game with, in case it gets worse. So I don't think they, I don't, I don't think personally the plans have changed for the next, uh, for the next few months. And then central banks will reassess with a better picture of what's happening in Ukraine, with a better picture of how high commodity prices are once the market stabilises a bit, and how sustainable that's going to prove to be. And once they have a better idea as well of the domestic inflationary pressures. A number of these countries, inflation is expected to re- peak around April, especially here in the UK. So come June, July, they will have a better idea of whether that's starting to move down on a more negative trajectory and what kind of pace we're looking at and where it could potentially stabilize. The problem we have now is they're trying to judge the inflationary pressures prior to the peak when it's accelerating faster than they had previously anticipated. So we need to see where the peak's going to be, the trajectory on the way down, and have a clearer picture of the rest of the outlook and then they can make a a much easier decision in terms of where interest rates need to be.
0: Okay, Craig. Thanks very much for joining us today. Good to see you. Thank you.
1: This is the Oanda Podcast.